0: Welcome, uh, happy Easter! My name is Reed, and I have the privilege of getting to be the pastor here. And uh, can I just say, I just love what God is doing at our church, and uh, it's just really, really cool. And so, uh, if you're just joining us, um, welcome! You, you're getting in on something really, really special. And I think you can just look around the room and tell uh, that there's something going on here. So uh, today, uh, we're gonna we're gonna celebrate Easter. And uh, to set up our time together though, I wanted us to look back because um, uh, just to set the scene for what we're gonna talk about today, uh, there was a Friday, 2,000 years ago, uh, on a Friday, uh, a Jewish rabbi uh, started a little movement that he had going on, uh, uh, a religious sect, if you will, a break off of Judaism. And uh, this guy was arrested, he was beaten, he was then uh, condemned to die on a cross. Uh, for the heresy of claiming to be God. We know him, his name is Jesus. And, uh, and uh, when he was on the cross, he was there for six hours. And uh, with some of his dying breaths, he mustered this strength to utter these words, it is finished. And it seemed that it was. It seemed that the movement had ended after all, what kind of son of God um, dies? What kind of Messiah gets murdered? What kind of rescue mission is it when the rescuer is killed? And so his followers, they dispersed uh, and they left and uh, the mission and the movement seemed to have ended because the movement stopped moving. And yet, strangely enough, now here we are, April 17th, 2022, which saying that makes it seem like we are way in the future. And so I always thought there would be flying cars by now. And so now here we are and we're, we're gathered. And on this day today, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people will gather in buildings and in cathedrals and on fields and in, uh, in amphitheaters and online people will gather to celebrate and to worship this Jewish rabbi who was murdered. And the question that we should all consider at some point, but especially on Easter, the question that we should all consider is why? Like what happened? How did a a small religious movement whose leader was murdered uh, go from that to millions gathered as a matter of fact uh, by by some statistics. it's estimated that there's almost two billion people who uh, who profess belief in and in some form or fashion practice following this, this Jesus. And so why and how did that come to be? That's what we're going to talk about today in our time together. And to do that, we're going to go back to unlock, to help us to unlock that mystery, the answer to that question. Uh, we're going to go back to the days immediately following Jesus' crucifixion. And so a couple of days later, we're going to jump in there in the Gospel of Luke. If you've been with us in the weeks leading up to Easter, we've been looking in the Gospel of Luke. We've been spending time in the Gospel of Luke. Luke was written by a guy named, yeah, that wasn't a trick question. Like six of you were like, Luke? Like, I don't know, right? Like, uh, we're not that creative, right? Like, and so uh, Luke was written by a guy named Luke. He named it after himself, or somebody did. And, um, and so Luke, Uh, he investigated all of this thoroughly. He spent time with people that had spent time with Jesus and he writes for us an account of what happened in the days following. And in his account, we see what happened that launched what seemed like a failed movement into a global movement that has now impacted lives and transformed people and and culture and shaped history. And so we're gonna see what happened that actually uh, turned that to what we're experiencing now. And so this is in Luke uh, chapter 24. And... Um, We've got new technology and the, the guys that set it up, like they were making fun of me because like every time I've gotten up here, I'm like, I hope this works. And it's worked every time. And then he's like, the guy that set it up, his name's Travis. He was like, Reed, it's gonna work. You don't have to make that joke. And I'm like, I'm not joking. I genuinely hope I don't mess it up. And, and so we've got a little bit of technology here where we're just gonna walk through this story together so that we can see what happened that that turned... The, the death of Jesus into the beginnings of a movement and what our faith is built on. And so this is in Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13, and it says, now that same day, and we'll just mark that right there, that same day, and the same when he says same day, what he's talking about is, um, it, it's a Sunday, and, um, and on that Sunday, that, that he's saying that same day, and it's because he's referencing what he's just written about before. So something else happened that day. And what else had happened that day is that there were some women who followed Jesus and uh, they were going to his tomb and they were gonna go and see um, and they were gonna prepare his body and they had the spices and all the stuff that you had um, to make sure that like, you know, everything didn't smell and all that, right? And so like they're they're going to the tomb to take care of his body. And when they get there, There, to their surprise, the stones rolled away and they peek in and there's no Jesus and they claim to have heard an angel. And so then they're freaked out and they run back and they tell the fellas and the fellas, they run over to the tomb and they check it out and they don't find Jesus, but they definitely notice that it's empty. And so they're wondering what's up. Now, at this point, they still don't believe that Jesus is alive, even though there's an angel that was like, he's alive. They're like, what, was, what did I eat last night? You know what I mean? Like, and so they're, they're, still, they're still confused. And so it's that same day, that the women had run to the tomb, they found it empty, the fellas ran to the tomb, they found it empty, and people are wondering what happened, did Jesus' body get stolen? On that same day, it says that two of them, two followers, former followers of Jesus, were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And so they're, they're traveling away from Jerusalem. They are leaving Jerusalem. They are headed home because Jesus is dead. And even though there was an empty tomb, nobody's seen a risen Jesus. And so they're still working under the assumption that Jesus is dead. And when the leader of your movement dies, a gruesome death for preaching what he preached and for claiming what he claimed, then they thought it would be best to either hide or head home. And so these two are on their way home. You've heard us say it around here before. There were no Christians immediately following the crucifixion, right? They, they, they decided they were going to, to bail and so they leave because they don't want the same thing that happened to him to happen to them. And so they're leaving and they're discussing what had happened that Sunday. They're discussing everything that had happened that weekend and they're on their way home. They're headed out. They've given up. They've given up on their faith. They've given up on following Jesus. They've they've just kind of thrown in the towel and then <clears throat> continues. It says as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up. So this is the first Jesus sighting. Jesus himself came up and he walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. And so Jesus walks up. It's a Jesus sighting, but they don't recognize it as Jesus because uh, we don't know why. Maybe, maybe like when he resurrected, he got a haircut or his beard got trimmed or like what? Like his, does his resurrected body? Look? I don't know. Um, but but they miss something that's right in front of them. Have you guys ever missed something that was like right in front of you? You know what I'm talking about? Like let's we can cut this guy like like these guys a little slack. Like at first you're like, oh my god, how did you miss Jesus beard mandals? Like come on, like but. But they're like, like, like. so some of you will like, but like you've missed something that was like right in front of you. You know what I'm talking about? Like maybe it was your, like for some of you, it was your keys before, you know? Like like you're looking for your keys and you're accusing people, you know what I mean? You're like, you drove in last year and you left it on an empty tank of Like You know, and you're like, you're having a moment. You're like, you're you're blaming people all the while. They're like, there's like this thing. And you're like, sorry, you know what I mean? Like you ever miss something right in front? My wife is guilty of this one. Like she will constantly misplace her glasses. And so, uh, and she'll, she'll be like, Oh my gosh, which one of you took it? Like kids, like who was wearing my glasses? And she's like, you know, blaming everybody. And then they're on top of her head and she says, <laughs> sorry. And so, you know, you misplace. or Have you ever parents in the room? Have you ever misplaced like, or missed, uh, your kid like right in front of you? You know what I mean? Like I, this is a confession. Like, I'll just go ahead and tell you. Um, the, the other day I was looking for my middle son, Miles, and he's our, he's like our, he's our little like slow buddy. You know what I mean? Like he just kind of moves at his own pace. And so he, uh, so I thought he was upstairs and I'm yelling for him. Like I'm like, we're trying to get somewhere. We got to go to my daughter's soccer game. And I'm like, Miles, get in the car, you know? And uh, I'm a great parent. And so, um, and so I was like, I was like, get down here, son, you know, and I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm yelling, I'm urging him on, you know, just really encouraging. And so, um, and so I'm just giving him that nudge and, um, and all, like, all of a sudden, like, as I'm yelling up the stairs, like, Miles, get down, you got three seconds too. What? He was like, I'm right here. You know, he's right, literally right next to me. He's like got tears in his eyes. I was like, I am so sorry. We're gonna go get ice cream after this. And so (laughs) you're like, Oh, right? I got like he's right there, right? So I think you know these guys they they missed Jesus. He's right there. He's right in front of them, but they miss it. They don't even recognize him. And like I said, I don't know how that happens. Could be that you know maybe maybe he looked different. Maybe. Maybe they're just not, you know, they're just not looking for someone who died to be walking with them. Or maybe, maybe they're so caught up in their grief or their disappointment or their frustration that they miss what God's doing right in front of them. Do you guys, have? You, has that ever happened to you? Where it's like your disappointment is so close, your frustration is so close, your hurt and your anger and your sadness, it's so close that you miss what God's doing right in front of you. Right there in your midst, you miss it. You can't even see it because it's, you're so consumed with your situation. So Jesus, he comes walking up, but they don't see it. And because they don't see it, because they don't recognize him, nothing changes for them yet, right? So it's like Jesus is alive, but they don't know it. And if you don't know it, then nothing changes. And so Jesus comes up, says, He asked them, this is He being Jesus, now asks them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? Which I love this because Jesus is being like, He, you know, like, I wonder what you guys are talking about, you know? And they stood still in their faces, downcast. And one of them named Cleopas, he, he asked them, or asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened here in these days? He gets like sassy with Jesus. Now, to be fair, Jesus was kind of being like coy, but then like, he gets sassy. He's like, like don't you even know? And Jesus is like, no, do tell, right? And so... This is what I love, right? Jesus answers him and he goes, what things? Tell me, tell me, right? It's like, what? Like, listen, you've heard about like the sovereignty of Jesus, you've heard about like the the compassion of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the strength and the courage of Jesus. Uh, But you know what doesn't get a lot of airplay is the sense of humor of Jesus. And uh, the reason why I I literally have this circled in my Bible, and then I like to write notes in the margin. And so like the note that I wrote right here was LOL, because like, (laughs) that is really funny. Like, that's so funny. Jesus, like, this guy's like, do you even know what happened? This guy was murdered on a cross. And he was like, no way. You know, like, I mean, it's like, what happened? And he's asking, like, what thing, right? Like, and here's Jesus kind of Like, I don't know, just, I think he's really having a good time with these guys. And so keeps going and uh, the guy, Cleopas begins to talk to Jesus about Jesus. And he says, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And the chief priest and our rulers, they handed him over to be sentenced to death. And then they crucified him. And he says this, oh, go back. He says, we had hoped. We had hoped. We were really, really hoping that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Ah, oh, we were really hoping he was the one. But now it seems like he was just another one another pretender, another person who maybe talked a good game but, but didn't deliver. Maybe he was crazy. Maybe he was delusional. Maybe he was a liar at worst. We hoped, All oh, we had hoped that he was who he said he was. But now this connotation right here, this had hoped, this is past tense. They're like, now we don't hope anymore. We've given up hope. We have lost hope. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all of this took place. And in addition, some of our women, they amazed us, which our women amaze us, ladies. And so, um, and they went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. And then they came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of our companions, our buddies, they went to the tomb and they found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. And so they're like, we didn't see anything. And so we're headed home. I love the honesty in this story. It's part of the reason why I wanted to share it with you today. I love the honesty because the honesty like leads you to trust in its authenticity. You know what I mean? The honesty of this conversation, uh, what I love about these early believers, they're writing this after the fact and they're reflecting on it. Luke wasn't there like, like catching it as it was happening. He's talking about it after the fact and as they reflected on it, right? They don't fake faith in order to make themselves look better. They don't fake and be like, yeah, we knew it all along. He was gonna come back, Right? And so that's why we left, right? Like, like they, they don't fake faith in order to make themselves look better. They're just honest. They're like, no, we we kind of gave up. Have you, ever, have you ever faked something in order to make yourself look better? You know what I'm talking about? Like the other day, my my son, Miles also, right? My little, um, Miles, uh, he, he, he gets up, all my kids get up like freakishly early, right? They're just like five o'clock, I'm awake. And I'm like, ah. and so- he got up early and he snuck into my room while I was getting ready. And so I got a podcast going, I got the little sonic brush, like, you know what I mean? Like, and, uh, and I don't hear him. And this little dude jumps out of my closet and he was like, nah, you know, like, you're like, nah! but, you know? but I didn't, I tried not to react, you know what I mean? Like, so I was like, nah. and I did the thing where you like freeze up, like, you know, like guys, you know, you're like, nah, no, I'm not gonna be scared. And so I like just froze. And, uh, and then he was like, did I scare you? Now, the truth is he did, he scared me, right? Like uh, he got me good and, um, and I almost tinkled in my pants. Like it was like, it was, I was like, oh, and it like got me. My heart was. And, um, but I told him what I told him was, no, you didn't scare me. I heard you coming this entire time, you know? And uh, that's partially because I still want to maintain the upper hand in this relationship for a few more years, you know? And then it's also because I knew that if I told him that he scared me, then he would do it every day. And I was like, I don't want to live with that pressure. And so, um, yeah, always looking over my shoulder. Like, where is that kid? You know, like, and so, and so I told him, no, I like, no, faked not being scared so that it made me look better and more confident and more, you know, like I'm dad, you can't ever scare me. You know, like what I love about this account though is that these guys, they don't fake face to make themselves look better. They're like, no, 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 no. I'm just telling you, when Jesus died, we gave up. When Jesus died, we went home. When Jesus died, it was over for us. When he said it was finished, we thought it was finished. And so we packed up and headed home. We had hoped but now we didn't. And they even leave in the detail of, and we were even, we we lost so much hope and we lost so much faith that we sat there and we didn't recognize Jesus and we got sassy with him. It's incredible. And so the honesty in this text, it just like leads us to lean into its authenticity. So text goes on. Jesus, Jesus says. And now he's dropped like his sense of humor and now he gets serious. He says to them, how foolish are you, you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus, in this moment, he's seen that their hope was lost, that they'd walked away from their faith, that they'd given up because he didn't do things the way that they'd expected. He didn't uh, didn't live and take over the way that they expected that the Messiah would. And so here he is, and he begins to break it down for them uh, so that they would see, he goes, this was always God's plan. This wasn't like plan B, like, uh-oh, like, I can't believe they killed him. Now I gotta resurrect him. You know, like, like this, was, this was always God's plan. And he goes back to the beginning and he walks them through the Old Testament and he walks them through the sacrificial system and he walks them through the prophecies about a king who would come once and for all and usher in the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus goes, yeah, 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 all of that, that's me. It's all about me. It all points to me. This was always God's plan. This was always the way it was supposed to happen. This was always the way that he was going to redeem us and to save us and to set us free. This is why if you're here and you're considering faith or you're new to faith or you're reconsidering faith, this is why I would just encourage you, Like if you're, if you're wanting to engage and, and learn more about what we believe as Christians, just start with one of the gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, start with Jesus because according to Jesus, what he breaks down for these guys is the whole Bible's about him anyway. And so start with Jesus. I mean, yeah, you can start with Genesis and then you'll get to some names and so-and-so will beget so-and-so and you'll be like, bah. and so I would encourage you start with one of the gospels, start with Jesus and just see what he's all about because Jesus says the whole thing's about me anyway. And so he breaks it down for them and keeps going. And it says, as they approached the village, which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further, but then they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening and the day's almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. So apparently the conversation was so riveting, right? They were like, so like, whoa, this guy is really unpacking it for us. They still don't know it's Jesus, but they're like, there's something different about this guy. And so they want the conversation to continue over dinner. And then it says, when he was at the table with them, this is awesome. He took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it. And it's so familiar because on a Thursday before all of this had happened, he did the exact same thing with his closest friends. He took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. Feels eerily familiar And he began to give it to them. And it says, right then and there, their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight, which is weird. Like we could just be, I know, like we just gotta, let's let the air out of that one, right? Weird. But if somebody raises themselves from the dead, then a disappearing act is not that hard to believe. Yes, like so, um, but it says right here that finally their eyes are opened. And it's like, in that moment, they realize who they've been walking with and who they've been talking with. And now it's like, and they realize they've been sitting in the presence of the resurrected Jesus. And now they're realizing why the tomb was empty in the first place. And it's like their eyes are opened and I don't know what it was in that moment that caused their eyes to be open maybe it was him going through the breaking of the bread and him giving thanks and they could remember how familiar that was maybe they had sat and seen him do that before and they remembered the cadence that he did it with and they remembered how he he prayed that prayer and they were like oh like maybe it was that maybe it was the moment when he broke the bread and as he handed it to them they could see the nail marks in his in his palms and maybe it was in that moment that they went oh and they realized like i don't know what it was, but whatever happened in that moment, their eyes were opened. They recognized who they were walking and talking with, and they realized they're in the presence of a resurrected Jesus. And now they know why the tomb was empty. And now this is where things really, really get interesting. It says, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and he opened up the scriptures. They're like, how did we miss it? Wasn't it just like lighting you up inside? They were like, yo, we had, like, we had heartburn. Like, like it was like insane, like spiritual heartburn while he sat there and opened up the scriptures for us while he was talking. It was like, man, I felt something inside. Some of you know exactly what that's like. You have felt that, you have experienced that. You have had an encounter with the living Jesus. You have an, had an encounter with his grace and his love and his forgiveness. And it has done something, stirred something inside of you that is now bearing fruit in your life and it's working its way out of you. And you're like, yo, it's like, it's like it was burnt. It was like, I got heartburn. It was, whoa. And my prayer, y'all, my prayer all week leading up to this, as I was reading this story, my prayer all week, was that each and every one of you would at some point have an encounter with Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, in such a way that your heart's burned within you, that you would experience his goodness and his grace and the reality that he is alive in such a way that it transforms you from the inside out. That's been my hope and my prayer for all of us. And that's what these guys experience in this moment. And then, and this is the, this is the answer, right? This is all. This is this is where it all turns. This is where this is the linchpin, right here. It says now, after they have that moment, it says they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, saying, "It's true, it's true. The Lord has risen." And has appeared to Simon and then the two of these guys they told what had happened on their way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread and <laughs> they sit down and they had this meal with Jesus and they realize they've been in the presence of a resurrected Jesus they realize that Jesus is no longer dead but he's alive and that reality that moment that that experience right there caused them to get up and turn around and they go back. They go back to Jerusalem. Which means they went back to their faith. Which means they went back to following Jesus. Which means they went back to taking the teachings of Jesus seriously. And I just want you to get this like like it wasn't what they believed that made them go back. It was someone that they encountered. Yes. It wasn't the teachings of Jesus that made them go back. Like they weren't like on their way to Emmaus and then all of a sudden they were like, you know what, he did say love our neighbors. All right, let's go. Like like it wasn't the teachings of Jesus that caused them to turn around. They knew the teachings, but the teachings didn't carry much weight if he was dead. And so it wasn't his teachings that caused them to turn around. It was the encounter with the living Jesus. Their faith in Jesus was restored when they encountered the resurrected Jesus. That's what made them turn around. That's why they returned to their faith. That's why they returned to following Jesus. That's why they returned to taking what he taught seriously. They returned because they encountered the living Jesus, they encountered him resurrected. What caused a group of people who had given up on their faith to turn around and then take that faith to the ends of the earth? It was the resurrection. It was the resurrection. That is the event that our faith is built upon. That is the reason why we are sitting here today, not just because Jesus died but because he rose from the dead and he is in fact alive. That's why they turned around. And that is what is turning lives around today. That's what turned my life around. I had an encounter with the living Jesus and my heart burned within me. And I turned from my old life and I began to follow him in a new life. And that's what happened for these guys. And that's what's been happening for people all over the world. And that's why 2 billion people would be gathered on a Sunday to celebrate and to worship Jesus. That's why the movement that seemed like it was over continued because he's alive. It's the resurrection of Jesus. That's what this is all about. And then they went back and they began to take the message of Jesus seriously. And they began to take his teaching seriously because if he's alive, and what he said was true. Ooh, and that's good news for us today, you guys. If the resurrection is real, then everything Jesus taught can be trusted. If the resurrection of Jesus is real, then, then we can trust the things that he said. If the resurrection of Jesus is real, come on, then, then that means we can trust that God is real and that he's personal, just like Jesus taught us that he wants a personal relationship with us and not just some religious rigor and system, but whereby you jump through hoops in order to get God to love you. No, 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 if the resurrection is real, then God is real and he's personal and he wants to know you and walk with you. If the resurrection is real, then we can trust that heaven is real and there is life beyond this life and death doesn't get the final say in any of our stories. That's some really good news. If the resurrection is real, then forgiveness is really available to you and to me, not because of anything that we do, but because of what Jesus has done for us. If the resurrection is real, then we can trust that suffering in this life is not evidence of his absence because the worst possible thing happened to the best possible person. And yet God was working in the midst of all of it. If the resurrection is real, then we can trust and you can be confident that God loves you. Regardless of who you are or what you've done, you can be confident that God loves you because Jesus taught that God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever would believe can have life and life eternal and need not ever be lost to God. If the resurrection is real, you can trust that. And if the resurrection is real, then you can trust what Jesus taught, that a better life is available. A resurrected life is available for each and every one of us to experience with him. (sighs) What caused a failed religious movement into changing history and culture and lives across the globe, it was the resurrection of Jesus. People like Cleopas who encountered a living Jesus and they realized that their hope, that their faith, that their love, that their sacrifice, that their risk, that their generosity, that none of it was in vain because Jesus is alive. In church, that's what we celebrate at Easter. That's the message of Easter, that even today Jesus is alive. And so your hope and your faith and your love and your risk and your courage and your sacrifice and your generosity, none of it is in vain because we have a living savior. This is the good news and the message of Easter. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you that you are faithful, that you keep your promises. You are true to your word. You do what you say you're going to do. And so you said you would lay down your life, but that in three days you would pick it back up again. And you did just that. And so because you are resurrected, we can trust what you taught and we can follow you. We can follow you into life abundant here and now and full and free and forever. We can experience that. We can experience relationship with you. Thank you so much for Easter and for your resurrection. Thank you that our faith is tied to something that is real and it is rooted. It is an event that happened in history. And so thank you so much for preserving these accounts of people who encountered you. And I pray for each and every one of us today that we would have our very own encounter with you that would change us from the inside out. We love you, we trust you, we celebrate you, we honor you, we worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen.